This is Citizen the Pod with your girl Kina Zantel. Get your weekly plug into today's news, politics, and culture. Join me every week as I give you the rundown on popping topics and put you on game. Get woke with me. On this segment of the Okie Doke, I'm here to break down a pivotal new piece of legislation designed to expand the reach of the criminal code and by design, put black and brown bodies behind bars for a longer period of time. H.R. 6691, introduced by Republican Karen Handel, who's being challenged by our girl, gun reform advocate and survivor, Lucy McBath, in Georgia's 6th Congressional District. H.R. 6691 would redefine violent crimes to include crimes that aren't inherently violent or have no element of violence, like fleeing, coercion, piracy, carjacking, all of which could occur without bringing harm to any person. Redefining these crimes as violent allows for harsher sentences, which we all know goes against our need to fight racial bias in the criminal justice system. Slow and steady, the party of law and order amends the law to create ways to impair immigrants and people of color. This is why it's so important we take the house November 6th. It's not a coincidence that fleeing from a cop is included in this legislation. The Republican Party has been battling the narrative and immigration reform. So it's not a coincidence that they've added fleeing as a violent crime in order to hinder immigrants who are put in these same situations from being able to apply for citizenship. During this election cycle, the GOP has made immigration and immigration reform issue number one. So adding fleeing to the list of violent crimes should not surprise any of us because they want to continue a narrative that creates an image of immigrants in our communities as criminals and violent criminals. So it's our job on November 6th to go out and vote to make sure that we make a stance, that we let our elected officials know that no, we are open to having a dialogue and a conversation about how we can address criminal justice reform and immigration in this country. But what we will not do is allow you to demonize our brown brothers and sisters. As many of them come to this country, just like white immigrants of the past, to provide a better life and opportunity for their kids. And it's important that we build a coalition with them in order to move an agenda forward that supports and uplifts our communities and theirs so that we can work together to create the America we want to see as we move into the future. Thank you for listening to the Okie Doke and stay tuned for the next segment of Citizen the Pod. Welcome back to Citizen the Pod. It's your girl, Kina Zantel, and I'm so excited about today's episode. I'm going to get to chop it up with somebody who, like, really knows his stuff. You know, I keep the best guests on this show. I mean, we we keep it definitely politically popping, as popping as you can have for a podcast on politics. I'm just saying, you better off hearing it here at Citizen the Pod than anywhere else. But anyway... 
let's get into this. My guest, the homie on the show today is Mr. Mark Pope. How you doing, Mark? I'm all right, Kena. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, the midterms are in two weeks. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. And I and I know we'll get into some dialogue. I just hope people are as excited as we are. Listen, I'm praying that they're as excited as we are because, I mean, like, this is our shot. Like, if we're going to get any opportunity to shut down this administration and it's crazy, this mm-hmm. is it. Like, Absolutely. this is it. I mean, absolutely. You you already know. You already know. Mm-hmm. So tell the folks a little bit about who you are. Wow. Uh, I know, who right? I, who I am. Let me see if I can do this in one minute. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm a husband, a father, um, licensed minister. Oh, okay. And um, ch- currently chief of staff to the greatest common council president in this country. Awesome. The Honorable Darius G. Pridgen. And um, we, before that, spent some time on the new and revived medical campus. And before that, spent a few couple years with New York State Senator Tim Kennedy. Um, and before that, I was just an ordinary guy who just has, loves history, loves politics, and loves government. And I, that might make me a little crazy. So, <laughs> yes, it does. Actually, um, I'm sending your crazy badge in the mail. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to wave it high. Absolutely. Um, you know, you gotta wear it like your buffalo pin since you Absolutely. since you rocking out at City Hall. Absolutely. So. I'm excited. I'm definitely excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to be on the show. And um, I think that you'll be able to provide that kind of like that extra perspective to just be like to just take stuff to the next level. So just let's just jump into things. Okay. So my first question for you is so um 45. <laughs> you know, uh, my my listeners know I do not like referring to this man as president. I'm not going to. 45 uh-huh. has motivated women and minorities to like jump in a race. I did a show a few weeks back called Surging into the midterms where yep. I just talked about you know, all the candidates who have just been inspired to do their thing this time. Like, we don't have time to wait no more. Mm-hmm. What, are there any races that you're going to be glued to watching on election day? Well, listen, uh, I had to do my homework and um, I will tell your listeners that if, before you listen to this podcast, make sure you do go back and listen to the Surge into Midterms podcast because any race that I would talk about, our wonderful host has already broken up for you. <laughs> right? Thank and you. named Thank candidate you. after candidate. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll talk, and I know it's one of the other questions, talking about the gubernatorial races, but I think those are so important. So important. Because right now we are looking at Republicans controlling 67 of our current 99 state houses and they control both chambers and 32 states yes so anything that can turn out democrats to stop the right the far right wing movement because not all republicans are bad because i have republican friends yeah you're right the far right movement yes 
we need to get out and focus on. So seeing the impact of uh, candidate Abrams in Georgia and Gilliam in Florida and the governor in Maryland, these are prominent, not so much just because of they're the first and they made it Mm -hmm. through. No, this is a sign that these that people are ready for a change. This is what happened with President Obama. Right. Not, exactly. Uh not all of us and, and black folk were on the Obama train when he first came out. A lot of black folk were still pushing Team Hillary. Yes, they were. But what happened was the Democratic Party realized we needed a change. Mm-hmm. And when that and when then that dynamic and then he embraced the change and that's where we got the hope and the change and he gave us a different kind of candidate. And this is where a lot of America is. And this is why you're starting to see some of these different candidates come out, like you mentioned in the previous podcast of the Somalian congressional candidate, the Palestinian candidate. Mm-hmm. Um Like I said, these black candidates that are the first to make it to even run to be a statewide candidate in some of these states. Mm -hmm. People want something different. Right. This is where we're at. This is how this is how we got 45. Right. Because Republicans wanted something different. Exactly. Yep. It it was the same. He got voted into office on the same vein that moved Barack Obama into office. You're exactly right. There, There is no difference other than one is a racist, bigot, misogynist, xenophobe. But we get, we can get into that a little later. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, orange. We can call him all kinds of names. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, you, you made a great point. Um, and I hope people did listen to that episode because I definitely was just dropping name after name because I just thought it was important. Um, so... The one thing, though, and and I think it's, I just kind of mentioned all the things that made minorities and women decide to run for office were the fact that we had a man in in a leadership position that were displaying these qualities that as Americans, we thought we were moving away from. Mm -hmm. And it's just, and it's, it's just like fresh ideas, being bold, having conviction, being your own person, that's what's going to get you into office if you ever want to run. So all those folks out there who are interested in running for office, you need to holler at me or Mark. Mm-hmm. You know, Pope and Associates is out here. Absolutely. And we can get we can get it popping. Like we can definitely Absolutely. get it popping. So we talked a little bit about Abrams, Gullum, Jealous, these gubernatorial races. How important is it to have progressive candidates in the executive chamber at the state level? Um, it's very important. It's just as important as elect the, the, the electing the president. And I think what's what people forget to realize is every level of government is broken down the same way. Right. And when normally when normally I go on my political rants, I mm-hmm. always say like I wish people could take a civics class again mm-hmm. because the system of checks and balances is the exact same whether it's on the federal level, the state level, your city level, your county level. Right. So you always have that executor. Then you always have the checks and the balance with the legislature. So right now, with one party controlling 32 states, you need 
an executor that can say, hold on, before we just start sending everything car blanche through that is only one part of his agenda, there's no checks and balance. And, and this is what we're seeing in Washington right now. With no checks and balance, you really have no idea what, what 45 can say out of his mouth. Mitch McConnell can deliver in the Senate. Right. Paul Ryan can deliver in the House. And literally all we can do is either filibuster protests on the steps and we can accomplish nothing. But a lot of the same people protesting on the steps are the same people that won't get out and vote. Right. Uh, that That is frustrating. To, that's frustrating to me. But you know what? I've been um, excited to see that the campaigns that have been so vocal have been uh, addressing the fact that you know, we don't have enough people coming to the table and voting. For instance, you know, March for Our Lives is the young organization started by the students of Stoneman Douglas, Stoneman Douglas High School mm-hmm. who had the tragic school shooting, yep. I believe, a year ago. And, you know, a pillar of their campaign going to, you know, because they want sensible gun reform was to go to different cities, march, and also register people to vote. Right. You know, I think we've seen the same thing occur for um, the Women's March. There were organizations that were out there actively registering new voters. And honestly, it doesn't hurt to register some, re-register somebody who's already registered. Like, right. they're, they're purging folks from the voting rolls left and right in states. So yep. there's nothing wrong with you, send, you know, reapplying to register i'm hoping everyone who's listening to this podcast right now you know we're two weeks out i need you to make sure that you're registered to vote like go check and make sure you're still registered to vote because these states and republicans are actively kicking us off yep. so i'm, I'm excited and i'm to also see that tide. and i also to say find out what the voting rules are in your state yes because of course uh, one party's particular method of voter suppression happens in voting laws mm-hmm. and knowing whether what ID do I need to bring? Um, Mm -hmm. Do I need to go get an ID in the, you know, and I think people count on us not knowing. Yes. And then getting frustrated at the poll and say, well, you know what the heck with it? I'm not voting. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what they want. They create the the mess at the polls. So people will just turn around and walk away. They Mm -hmm. want you to have long lines. So it'll jam five election districts into one place and the line is wrapped around the building. This is exactly what they do to suppress the votes. Yep. Yep. I recently saw a story on the news uh, about a black man who had passed out in Georgia from heat stroke, waiting in line to vote and refused to get out of line so a paramedic could check them out because he was not going to allow wow he was not going to allow them to take his vote away from him wow so that is the kind of conviction that all of us need to have in regards to protecting this right like Absolutely. it's i mean it's really our it's and it's our only choice like it was written in the constitution that we the people will have the right to vote and now it's like I, I mean I don't even think our forefathers knew about IDs so they can't say <laughs> you know right. what I mean? they, they can't say that you know they weren't protecting every person's right to vote when they wrote the declaration of independence and 
they they were because there were no IDs back then. So the I mean, and that's just another poll tax, and that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Well, I, well, I was getting ready to say, well, and again, we, we jump down to some of the other topics, but you gotta even back then, if you and I know you recall because you're a history buff too, you had to show property deeds to yes, vote. yep. So. And again, that was put in place so everyone couldn't come to the poll and vote. So mm-hmm. voter suppression isn't a new thing for this country. It's just that they just changed the mechanism. Yes, they did. They definitely did. I mean, you know, in South Carolina, they have a strict voter ID law and then yep. they shut down DMVs in predominantly African-American neighborhoods so yep. that you have to drive to the DMV. And most people they know don't have cars. Nope. Like, this is the game that they play, and we need to protect that and show up on November 6th with a vengeance, right? Because we're just not taking it. Um, So we definitely got into some of the Voting Rights Act, and, you know, we've just kind of gotten over the conversation in regards to the Supreme Court Halfway. Leaning <laughs> right. I know. Leaning up right. Have we? Not really. Okay. Cause that like I said, that's a whole that's another conversation about what we do if we take back the house. Right. <laughs> because we can start some real investigations and find out what kind of person he is. But anyway, mm-hmm. what what do you what do you feel is going to be the is is how do you feel that Kavanaugh's place on the court? How do you think that's going to affect the Voting Rights Act moving forward? Um, I think it's in trouble uh, mm-hmm. because of his history and upholding some voter rights idea laws and things in previous case. I'm trying to now skim through um, this New York Times piece that wrote about it. Uh, mm. A 2011 Obama administration in the Obama administration blocked the South Carolina law that required voters to show a photo ID before casting their ballots, finding that it would disenfranchise tens of thousands of minority voters. But when South Carolina asked a federal court in Washington to approve the law, Brett Kavanaugh wrote the opinion upholding it. Okay. He ruled that the measure was not discriminatory even though the Obama administration claimed that it violated the Voting Rights Act. Let's keep going back. And uh, pointed in 2008 Supreme Court decision upholding the Indiana's voter ID law, which he interpreted as giving states broad leeway to restrict their voting procedures. And this was his quote, many states, particularly in the wake of the voting system problem exposed during the 2000 elections, have enacted stronger voter ID laws among various other recent changes to voting laws, he noted in his approval for that. So his history shows he's going to be in favor of anything that would suppress the vote and changing voter rights laws. You know what? And that's crazy because... The issue in Florida was not illegal, illegal, you know, illegal votes cast. Mm-hmm. It was a hanging chad. It was the yep. way in which you actually cast the vote. So for him to use 
the 2000 election in order to uphold disenfranchising voters based on changing laws to restrict the vote. Mm-hmm. It's just like you are you t- you're talking in circles and you're actually going to think that we're not going to pay attention to this. Like this had everything to do with whether or not somebody pushed in a lever yep. far enough. Like it wasn't that the votes were you know illegal aliens voting at the time like this is just it's nonsense and he will you know he's definitely going to have an effect on the courts and it's just this is why we need to get state houses because a governor is not going to pick an attorney general or work with an attorney general who is going to take you know voter you know restrictive voter laws to the supreme court in order for this guy to uphold absolutely and Still, and this is this is a New York Times piece, so I'm not uh, reading off, coming up with this off the top of my head. Right, conservative majority in the Supreme Court. This is what they did. 2013, the court tore out the heart of the Voting Rights Act, ruling that mostly Southern states with a long history of voting discrimination no longer needed to have their election changes approved by the federal government beforehand. <laughs> So this made the 2016 election the first in 50 years without the full protections of the Voters' Rights Act. What was the result? There was a lower black turnout in key swing states like North Carolina and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And this year, in a devastating term for voting rights, the court upheld voter purging in Ohio. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Rachel gerrymandering in Texas. Yes, they did. Refusing to curtail partisan gerrymandering in Wisconsin and Maryland. Mm -hmm. And also, a federal judge ruled that the lines drawn in Pennsylvania were blatantly racist. Yep. However, he did not mandate that the lines be drawn before November 6th. Mm So the lines are still completely racist. Like, I mean, states have legitimately done you know state legislators have legitimately done research on you know demographics yep. what, what demographics of certain areas how many people are there okay we're going to draw this line this way we're going to yep. cut this community that way we're going to move the DMV out like a judge yep. found that they were blatantly you know discriminatory but he he did not mandate the lines or get drawn before this election so right now <laughs> you know voters in Pennsylvania are literally being disenfranchised just based off the district that they vote in, like not even including if they have to show it with an ID. And, and the thing, and just so people are clear, the idea behind gerrymandering mm-hmm. is so you actually create the pocket of minorities or the 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 pockets of Democrats, mm-hmm. or, the, or if it's a Democratic state, the pockets of Republicans. So you ended up you end up putting the most of whatever you were trying to gerrymander into smaller pockets. So then that vote or that area doesn't have the power it once used to have. Uh, yeah. And we ha- we have a clear example of that in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. We had two solidly Democratic seats, once yep. held by Senator Antoine Thompson yep. and Senator Stokowski, where yep. we had Buffalo. It was a Niagara Falls seat. There was a Buffalo seat. It was two strong Democrats came out of the Western New York region of the state Senate. What did they do? They made a, the Republicans had control over gerrymandering, created another Senator seat. Yep. Na- 
name first of all the extra senate seat was actually drawn in albany but they wanted to be funny and <laughs> name the seat gave the 63rd district seat to the senator out of buffalo so yep. we're like we both worked for you know for the 63rd senate district we've both mm-hmm. we've both seen it with our own eyes what happens when you can gerrymander lines and completely stifle the votes of african-american communities because yeah. right now i believe niagara falls is niagara falls is a republican yep senator rob Orton. so you know we've we've both been able to see this and it's a real thing it really happens and again i'm hoping yep. my listeners are fully engaged in all this goodness that we're talking about but anyway, okay, I want to keep going because it's just like I, I had a quite I had some good questions. Okay, I'm trying yep. to get I'm trying to get to the next one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, this is and this is gonna be the only time that I discuss Kunye, and I'm just gonna call him. I'm just I don't care. I'm just gonna call him Kunye. So um, I had to look up because I was like, is this a congressman somewhere that I didn't know? <laughs> like, so I was really looking up who Kunye was. <laughs> Until you went to Twitter, put in Kanye, and you realized it was Kanye. Absolutely. <laughs> like, because you know, Twitter will tell you. Twitter <laughs> will definitely put you on. Okay. So I'm basically saying, like, what, what, where, I, Kanye, Kanye cannot be the voice of black leadership. Absolutely. Right now. Nah. Like, I, how, how, how did you feel about his? special showcase at the White House a few weeks ago. What do you think about the things that he's been, you know, publicly showing that he's supporting? Because you know what? He he may be doing some good things in the background. I don't know. I just see this public display of nonsense. Um, I think um, I don't think I don't think any of it was good. Um, Now, even if he because I didn't listen to the whole rant because I couldn't make it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he had truthful things that could help, the sad part, and um, I listened at who I call a social prophet, Jamal Brown, mm-hmm. and he literally said, the sad thing is the mental health case. Like, we can feel how we want about Kanye West, but there's clearly a mental health issue that's going on. And he talked about the self-devaluation or self-deprecation that he even did. And the reason, and outside of all the other crazy stuff he started spilling, Mm -hmm. my concern then became when he started talking about Donald Trump as a father figure. Yeah, yeah. And when I put this hat on, I feel like Superman wait what what yep (laughs) that's when i realized like no we are not dealing with just a very passionate um black conservative which by the way is not a problem either because black people for a long time were very conservative yes Um, we are but we're not just talking about a black conservative we are literally talking about a lost individual who is now being ostracized because of what the people around him allowed to go make a mockery of. Mm-hmm. I blame the people the closest around him. I don't even blame Kanye mm. because at no at some point someone says has to say, 
hey, listen, I know you signed my checks, but you really need to get some help. Mm-hmm. But you know what? He comes across as extremely self-centered to me, though, as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems a little selfish and self-centered. I mean, he dropped, he was dropping, you know, product line Adidas stuff and, like, he wanted the flyest, and I'm just like. Well, he's very you know, he media. Was, he's very media savvy, right? Um, and a, and a little misogynistic. He couldn't be with her, right? Like he just. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, the, yeah, I, I have concerns, and like I said, I don't know. And um, and this is a curtail, but you know, because my other passion is sports, and and I'm curtail in and curtail back out. Mm-hmm. It's just like what happened Sunday between Eric Reed and Malcolm Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Eric, Eric Reed was, for those who don't know, was one of the fir- first players that supported Colin Kaepernick because they were teammates in San Francisco. Yep. Yeah. Malcolm Jenkins joined the protest last year um, and then began to lead uh, negotiations with, the, with some other players with the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, they worked out an agreement for like $89 million that the owners were going to give to go to whatever charities the players wanted to contribute. On Sunday, Eric Reed finally sees Malcolm Jenkins on the field and he and he basically calls him a sellout. Mm. Didn't know this. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so if you if you haven't got the background, you got you gotta learn about it. My issue, and Stephen A. Smith, who I respect, um, he literally said, my issue with with what Eric Reed did isn't the fact that you confronted him or you disagreed with how he went about it. It's the fact that you did it publicly. Yeah. And this is where I kind of feel a boy Kanye. And, like, I think I saw, like, okay. Puff, I think I heard, saw, like, Puff Daddy said, I'm concerned, bro. Give me a call. Like, and I think we've ostracized Kanye so much publicly that if no one is reaching and saying, hey, bro, let's just come, come over my house and let's just talk. Let's just Mm -hmm. get. And I think then this does for other races exactly what they want. They want to see us fighting each other. They want to see us not. And and I, and this is why, like, I've been kind of not posting about Kanye because at a certain point we have to say, all right, we have to do like Malcolm and Martin did. Malcolm, Malcolm, after pub, publicly coming after Martin Luther King plenty of times, they finally started meeting behind closed doors, and that's when they started getting things done. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like like that old um, that old saying: "What happens in our house stays in our stays house." Stays in our house. And you make a really good point. Um, you make a really good point. Point that period. Okay. Like you make a good point. I never, I didn't think about it that way, but I'm definitely going to consider it. Um, Cause there was definitely some uproar about, you know, Bakari sellers and mm-hmm. Tara and Don Lemon, yep. you know, making statements about, you know, Kanye being a Negro yep. in the white house. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think that was definitely some of some folks arguments like, Usually, you know what? What? When did we stop protecting each other? Absolutely. Um, and if we we're gonna have these discussions where we're gonna, you know, push the envelope, they may have been better 
off camera. And then you, you know, you just say yep. things a little bit with a little bit more tact on camera. Um, it's, but it's but the then, same thing we do here locally. Yeah. We get black leaders. We get, well, nationally too, we get black leaders. We get black elected officials. And then the moment people say Obama didn't have, well, let me finish my thought. People will then say, uh, once we get on over a disagreement, see, I told you, and then begin to bash them. And this is what happened with President Obama. You have more black people that will now say he didn't do anything for us. He wasn't. He wasn't our president. And what they fail to realize is, white, black, Native American, whatever—they're never our president. They're exactly. everyone's president. They're exactly. everyone's elected official that lives in the district they're, they're elected to represent. Mm-hmm. And I think he did. A, I think he did a great job. Um, considering all of the circumstances. I mean, once he lost the House two years into his presidency, that definitely stifled him. Once he lost the Senate, that took him, uh, you know, that stopped things, really put things to Mm -hmm. a halt. I mean, dealing with the recession, the recession, um, you know, putting all his political capital into the idea that all of us can have health care. I mean, which was monumental because Democrats had not been able to do that for ever. Yep. Um, you know, so it's just, but, you know, on the flip side, I wish you would have done more for criminal justice reform, you know, but he did do things for criminal justice reform. It's just he was he was a smart guy and he he did walk into all, the office having hope. And he could not be, he could not be super strong black guy in order to win the presidency. Like the country is not ready for Malcolm X. No. And and a a mix of Malcolm X and T.I. to run for president. Like they are not ready for that kind of black man. And I also think that, you know, that kind of black man, if that kind of leader or black woman who exudes those qualities it might be better off not being a public servant because they can keep it real because they can't. There's so many things. There's so many more things we can do as regular people mm-hmm. than you can do under the spotlight of a political leadership position. Absolutely. And that's just real. I mean, absolutely. Okay. So that was awesome. All right. So in lieu of time, cause we've been chatting it up. Um, <laughs> Do you think the surge of like just progressive candidates in a Democratic Party has created a rift? And is that rift going to be a problem for us to come together for 2020? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, the, what's, what is beginning to happen is the, the progressive and the far left candidates are now pulling our moderate and conservative Democrats all the way over to the far left. Mm -hmm. And some will say, right, that's true Democrat values and this is where we should be. But this country is still made up with a whole lot more moderate and conservative Democrats. I believe so, too. And I think that's the... So, yes, the progressive wave will help because it'll reinvigorate the Democratic Party, but the problem will then become, are we then losing 
the base of the conservative Dems and the moderate Dems because we are being pulled so far left. So mm-hmm. we now hear these the candidates now, like I said, going because not all Democrats were for single payer health care or recreational marijuana mm-hmm. and things like that. If we keep getting pulled so far left, then when we fade, so then when they go up against the even a moderate Republican can now then get the conservative and the moderate Democrat vote. So it's, it's, it's going to be a balancing act on where we end up going and how far do Democrats finally get on the same page and say, this is our national agenda. We're not budging too far from this. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. I definitely think that's hard. And you're right. You know, the kind of activist wing on both sides of the aisle is about 8% on each side. And most people kind of live, uh, you know, in, in moderate land. You're conservative, but you're moderate. You're, you know, you're liberal, but you're moderate. Right. You're not even liberal. You're just kind of moderate in between. And, you know, depending on the day of the week you get spoken to, that might impact right. <laughs> how you feel about a certain issue. So, right. Or, you know, and as life changes or as you grow up, the way Absolutely. certain issues change. So, yeah, I think I think you definitely make a good point there. Um, so as we get closer to this midterm election, I mean, we are pretty much here. I'm going to go get my outfit. You know, I'm just saying that. <laughs> um, how, you know, what do the midterm elections mean to you? Um, I, these, this midterm election, um, because all elections are important whether Mm -hmm. and you said this at the close of your surgeon to midterm podcast make sure you go listen um whether it's school board whether it's city council county state mayoral you have to vote in every election because one for multiple reasons one vote being a prime voter makes sure you can be selected for a jury people Mm -hmm. don't realize that so when the Constitution says a jury of my peers, but my peers aren't voting, mm. then I'm not, okay. I'm not getting the jury of my peers. Then I'm sure you definitely not. So, so this is like so. There's other ramifications behind not voting. So every election is important. Why the this November sixth election is important because this is going to let us know how the next four to six years are going to be. Yeah. Um, and by not turning out, you are probably going to reverse almost 50 to 60 years of this country legislatively. Mm-hmm. Amen. You are so right. So Woo. we so, thought Trump, we thought Trump was going to set us back. Give them another two years. We'll control the house and the Senate. Exactly. So I, I think people should be mindful of my rents. I don't care if you vote Republican, Democrat, Conservative, Green Party, yep. whatever toots your horn. One, just be educated because there is nothing worse than have, because I think debates are healthy. So mm-hmm. I like talking to Republicans, but I like talk, and I like talking to Democrats, but I like talking to educated voters. At the end of the day, just be educated and at least be able to have a knowledgeable conversation about who you voted for. Right. And why? And why? 
That is it. So if you are Republican and you want to be far right, give me logical reasons why you think the Trump and that that Republican wave makes sense for this country. If you mm-hmm. far left Democrat, then find a candidate that does that and explain to me why. Because there might be some candidates I'm in the middle of. Like, right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm with you on that. You might so, teach me something. Exactly. But I think, but so what's happening in this country is we become so divided, we don't listen to each other. Mm. And we just never know who might have that missing key, that missing answer. And the more we hear this, like I listen at the new candidates and they talk about, oh, I'm going to make Albany listen to me. I'm going to make Washington listen to us. Stop it because newcomers don't get that. Just, right. just be real and say, listen, what's happening isn't working. I'm going to go try to figure something out. Like, I would rather somebody say yeah. that and just be honest because this is where we are. No one's talking to each other. Everyone's frustrated. And then here's the thing that bothers my mind. It's just like what we used to talk about in 90s hip-hop. Um, you know, people start beefing and, and you know, we got these rap battles and stuff going on. And so, you know, the whole East Coast, West Coast thing, mm-hmm. which which people don't realize was more of a big marketing ploy. Yes. Um, but then it actually turned humans against each other. And we end up hurting ourselves, killing off people. Why? Because Why? somebody wanted to sell records. Yep. Someone so, wanted to sell magazines and put the beef on, a, on the magazine. Exactly. So this is all... This is all people are doing. The riffs, because these same senators and congressmen that we watch and we are, yeah, you this and you this, and they feuding, they the same ones go to dinner together. Sure do. Yeah. Have they have families? How the kids? Oh, if you need me to write that recommendation letter, I will. While we fighting, they go on to dinner in D.C. Mm-hmm. So I think instead of instead of fighting party lines, I think we need to just discuss and have conversations around the issues and about where we are as a country and what's better. Because sometimes if if I'm living in a rural country, I might not understand why someone in the inner city need looks at a particular policy this way. Mm-hmm. But we don't have those conversations, and that's why we say at opposite ends. Listen, that was an awesome answer. Thank you. <laughs> so how can the people find you on social media? Where do they go? Oh, wow. So if they want to talk to you more, you know? Sorry, well, but you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all at Mr. Mark Pope. And that's Mark with a C, uh, P-O-P-E, like the Pope in Rome. Um and Pope and Associates, you can find on Instagram at Pope Associates and Facebook at Pope Associates as well. So just stay in tune if you need. Pope and Associates is all about just making people's dreams become reality. So whether it's campaign, graphic design, small business, just let me know and uh, we'll make it happen. Nice. Well, um, my listeners should know how to find me. All right. I am at the Surge 2018 on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me also on Twitter at Citizen the Pop. And I'm hoping that I start getting some questions and some feedback from my listeners on that handle. 
Um, I hope you also download the Anchor app. It's an awesome app. If you're interested in your own podcast, please go ahead. Start today. We want to hear your voice. You can also subscribe to me on Anchor and on YouTube. Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook at Kina Zontel. So you know how to find me and you know my spiel. Make sure your tribe is ready and registered for the big day on November 6th. It is around the corner, two weeks. Get fly. It's a vibe to vote. Um, the surge 2018 is a movement, honey. You might as well join it. We ain't trying to go to war no more. We trying to go to war at the polls. Okay. Absolutely. It's going down. It's a, it's battle time. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Mark, for being a part of this episode. Absolutely. I love it. I love this Thanks one. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to be plugging it. There's going to be quite a few episodes coming out between now and the midterms i should be able to give you at least four so we getting it popping around here okay so again this was citizen the pod